Beginning the Trek, a 52-episode introduction, introduction to Star Trek. Once upon a time, these many years ago, my good friend Jessica asked me to share my Star Trek show. I said, sure, that should be easy, but then I realized, 729 episodes and that number's on the rise? Where to start, she asked me often, as if I even knew. I can't pick just one episode, I need like 52. She said, I'm up for a binge fest, then a crazy idea came. Why don't we make a podcast? She said, what are you, insane? So we hit the record button and we started watching shows. Episode one, Corbomite Maneuver was exactly on the nose. Her first time upon the Enterprise, her first meeting of Captain Kirk. But when she saw Spock for the first time, she said, oh, that man will work. Kur was your first Klingon. The Romulan commander had no name. And all that 60s sexism sure could melt your brain. It looked old and it looked clunky, but the stories were still great. It's interesting to ponder Goatee Moo Spock's final fate. Naked Times and Armageddon's, and at least a Tribble or two. And of course I showed you Khan before TOS was through. Star Trek's 2, 3, 4, and 6 became a part of your holiday scene before a new generation of Trek stars filled your TV screen. Jean-Luc Picard was the captain, a man who's got a plan, and William Thomas Riker, I know you're not a fan. True, Q was a jerk. We all know this is true, but stick with him long enough, he'll start to grow on you. Tasha Yar died way too early, but she came back anyway. This happens a lot on Star Trek. Yeah, well, what more can I say? You fell in love with Data like so many had before. The ship is really shiny, completely perfect to explore. You wanted Wesley Crusher to shut up, if only once. And why doesn't that Klingon do more than yell and make loud grunts? And then there were the stories, elementary though they may be, measuring humanity against its ethics. Not an easy thing to see. Things got timey, they got wimey, we performed peakedly, and the inner light was just perfect. I think we both agree. I tried to set up a little cliffhanger with Best of Both Worlds 1 and 2. To be continued, says this poem, I'll do more when we're close to through. Wow! I, oh, I, was, I guess we're done, right? That's it. That's it for now. There's a there's a cliffhanger there. I'm going to do some more of that <laughs> later. Everybody, we have uh, new friends with us, which is super awesome, and I'm super excited. And I don't know why I'm introducing because two of them I haven't even met before. But hi, guys. Maybe you should introduce yourselves. We've got Bill and Dan from Trek Geeks, and John uh, Champion from Mission hey, everyone. Log. Thank you for having hey. us. Hi, everybody. Hey, hey. Good to be here. Thank you guys so much for being here for our for our little wrap up show. We uh, we we just finished the track last week was our our final episode on the track, fifty two episodes. And uh, Jessica wanted to sit down with some friends, some new friends over this last year, and play a little cards. Kind of you know do what they do sometimes on Star Trek. Just kind of be with friends and remember what's uh, what's most important. So y'all are. A part of our poker table, or our fizzbin table, or whatever you want to call it today. Dabo. Nice. Dabo. <laughs> Very nice. I made a Star Trek joke. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> so, so uh, Bill, Dan, why don't you introduce yourselves from uh, from Trek Geeks? Let us know who y'all are. Dan, you can go first. Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> All right, I'll go first. You, you, you're the brains behind this, so. I'm the good that's, looks. So go ahead. Well, yeah, that, that's that's always true. Uh, I'm Bill Smith. I'm one of the the two Trek geeks um, who you can be uh, you can find on both the Trek Geeks podcast and Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery companion. Dan and I started podcasting about three and a half years ago, um, and it's the lens or it's Star Trek through the lens of our friendship on Trek Geeks, and it's uh, it's always fun. We we have a great time, and and hopefully other people do too. Right, Dan. Right. No, I do actually have more. No, that's no, uh, absolutely. Yeah, we uh, uh, we started this adventure after going to a convention in Boston in 2014. And uh, Bill asked if I would be interested in doing a podcast. And I said, 
what's a podcast? No, that sounds dumb. And here we are three and a half years later. We've had a great time. We've made new friends. We've had many great adventures. And uh, I couldn't be happier that we're doing it. It's fantastic. Thank you guys for being a part of it. I got to tell you, I, I know that I listened to a couple of uh, earlier episodes uh, of yours. And then when Jessica got this arranged, uh, I went back and I listened to what I did was I was kind of scrolling through saying, I wonder if there's one. And I saw the episode, a piece of the action that you had just done, like just before the Star Trek convention. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. it, I, after the Trek was over, the very first episode of Star Trek that I watched, which was also my first ever episode was a piece of the action. I watched it again and then there was that. So I listened to that episode and I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm already hooked on your podcast if for no other reason than the whichever of you mentioned my favorite moment probably from all of TOS and you saw it when Captain Kirk runs down the corridor and jumps over the box <laughs> <laughs> not goes around it to the left plenty of room no. not goes around it to the right plenty of room but he has to jump over the box and that gets him caught by the bad guy the entire episode would have been completely different if he didn't jump over that box and, and you, and you are literally the first person that's ever mentioned it that I've heard of. So I'm a fan <laughs> instantly. Love it. Awesome. We can't, Fantastic. We can't be responsible for any therapy bills you encounter during your, <laughs> your listening to Trek Geek. So I just want to state that for the record. Um, you do so at your own risk. I'm on my own. <laughs> and then we have John Champion, who we've, we've, we've had him on uh, Beginning the Trek once before. So welcome back, John Champion from uh, Mission Log Podcast. Yeah, hi. Uh, I'm John Champion, and uh, I don't understand podcasts. So, uh, <laughs> uh, no, I do uh, do Mission Log, I do Mission Log Live, and I've been producing and often co-hosting the Trek Files with Larry Nemechek, and uh, we've been at it on Mission Log for a little over six years, and uh, nine more to go. That's just with kind of where we ended up with, um, I guess, Enterprise would be the end of that. And then we get to do Discovery and the J.J. Abrams movies and whatever other new Star Trek is coming. And uh, for those who don't know, you know, Dan and Bill, uh, they, they do Star Trek through the lens of their friendship. And Ken and I do Star Trek through the lens of looking at morals, meanings, messages, picking apart an episode, kind of doing, uh, I, I don't know, the sort of analysis that you would do if, um, uh, if your friend Rod told you to do it. nice i was thinking book club is kind of how it comes out to me is it oh book uh, that sounds nice sure i'll go with that with a weekly with a weekly reading that that you don't even have to read i like that (laughs) even better yeah i like that beginning the trek and um mission log had three episodes that crossed over during the same we both did we both did the emissary, oh, right. mm. okay. uh, or emissary, sorry, from Deep Space Nine on the same week, and then uh, uh, we also did duet and rules of acquisition, which you've now done from your Deep Space Nine. Wow! Yeah. Mm-hmm. How yeah. are you enjoying Deep Space Nine now? This is really your first time through, isn't it? Uh, yeah, in in any kind of meaningful order, yes. I mean, I, I I've watched pieces of DS Nine. Uh, you know, since it came on, just sort of haphazardly, and and never really studied it. And um, yeah, I, I'm I'm liking this more than I thought I would. Nice. I, I knew that I would like it, and, and I knew that it would be a change of pace for Star Trek, which has been nice because it's been a pa- change of pace for us for the show. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think a little bit to to our surprise the format that we pick for mission log doesn't neatly apply itself to ds9 so doing this series has been a a whole new challenge uh but it's cool i i I like it i I think overall the the characters are really good the writing is really good um there's just a lot of depth there that they weren't able to explore in the other series and this is kind of exactly what i wanted actually because um well, obviously, Andy and I have been doing this for a year, and we've learned a ton. Trekkie's been doing it for, you said, three years. And you, John, you and Ken have been doing it for seven? Is that... Uh, six years. A little over six, six years. A little over yeah. six. So everyone here um, has thought about Star Trek, I think, in a way that they're forced to when they talk in front of an audience about something. Is You, you can't just wing it. Not really. You can try, but it won't work very well. Um, 
And I wanted to do this specifically because at the end of beginning the trek, then you're not beginning it anymore. And if you guys have thought about it so deep and so hard, I wanted to see what that does to become that kind of fan. And I am kind of assuming that you guys are all still fans of Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, I could take a look. It's all right. <laughs> After we published our last episode, I watched a piece of the action. Yeah, I'm still a fan. <laughs> Absolutely still a fan. A hardcore. Oh, uh, yes. Not quite yeah. every day, but almost. It's um, it's funny. I'm, uh, um, I just turned 49, and my fandom is probably higher than it's ever been. It just keeps, continues to grow uh, every year with the with the new series that's come out and the new things that are being announced. Um it just it, it amazes me that sometimes I can think that my fandom is continuing to grow after all these years, but it is. And I think that's a testament to what that universe means to so many people. I have to admit that my fandom is different now. And, and that, that's not to, to say it's a better or worse experience. It's just different. You know, I, I enjoy... I enjoy the process of Mission Log, mainly because I enjoy the conversation I get to have at the end of the process of Mission Log with Ken. Because when we actually turn on the mic and record, it's having a conversation with a friend about a, a thing that we were both excited and interested in. But it, it is a, there's work involved. Everybody on this call knows that there is oh, work yeah. involved oh, yeah. to create yeah. a <laughs> podcast, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the, there's that aspect of it, and I, I, I realized the other day somebody had posted a, a, a little like a 20 minute documentary about the TOS remastered episodes, and I sat there and watched that the whole thing. I meant to just sort of skip around and just sort of see the beginning and oh, what what was this little relic they pulled, and uh, I sat there and watched the whole thing. And at the end of it, I, I kind of thought. Oh, I'd kind of like to go back now and watch TOS. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, I, I kind of missed it. But it, it's weird. When, when something that I'm not connected to uh, comes out, when something is imminent, like uh, a, a James Bond movie or something, I find myself you know, going online and looking for information, and I read what fans are saying, and, and I want to know the latest bit of news. With Star Trek, I don't. And, and it's a, a weird sort of disconnect that I have where I'm really deeply involved in what I do for Mission Log, uh, but I really kind of stay away from whatever the speculation, whatever the news is about what's coming. So I feel a little detached from Star Trek and fandom in that respect. If, let me jump in on that if I could for a second, mm -hmm. folks, because, John, you made a very interesting point, and, and I'm not trying to blow smoke up your butt, and I'm not trying to pat you on the back. <laughs> I want to be very honest with what I'm about to say. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, everybody knows that's listened to the show what a fan that I am, and I enjoy it for the entertainment, for the story, just like everybody else does. There's all these different reasons. But starting with, I mean, I've been listening to Mission Log forever, and but since starting Deep Space Nine, people who listen to me know that Deep Space Nine Season 1 isn't my favorite season of the series, although it's my favorite series. Listening to you guys take apart an episode to talk about those messages, morals, and meanings has made me rewatch the episode with that different um, uh, thought process in mind. And I'm looking at it more to see what you guys are talking about in those episodes. And it's made me appreciate season one much more than I ever thought it would possibly be. Interesting. Oh, I, I really appreciate that. I mean, I, I sincerely thank you. I, I, I think that it's not necessarily just, it, it's not really what Ken and I do. I really think it's the format. I, oh, I, I was really... talking about just Ken. I don't know. Yeah, what you're well, talking that, about. that's fair. That's totally <laughs> oh, fair. Oh, John, are you on the show too? <laughs> <laughs> ah, but I'm, um, you know, we we had an idea that uh, whatever it is we were going to do for Mission Log, it, it had to be a format that you could plug anybody into. So if I left or if Ken left or whatever, we wanted a way to look at Star Trek that would be new and exciting for the hosts but hopefully be new and exciting for the listeners as well. So, um, yeah, and, and sorry that we're going down this tangent here, but hopefully it, it ties into the original question, which is just to say that, yeah, it, it's different. We're, we're all here on this call because we're enjoying Star Trek, and people listen to our shows because they're enjoying Star Trek, but 
this has changed my relationship to Star Trek, Dan, the way that you're saying that your relationship to those episodes was changed because you got to hear a different type of analysis of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I actually have kind of the same thing. I can't listen to Mission Log unless I've seen it. You guys taint everything. <laughs> like, all of this thoughtfulness is going through my head when all I wanted to do was watch an episode. But this happened to you, Andy, when rewatching it with me and then talking about it with me. It totally changes it. Well, I, 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 I wanted to piggyback on what everybody seems to be saying. When you, when you begin to examine it at the level that we need to as podcasters... And, and you begin to see all the things, all the stuff inside of each of these episodes, the messages and morals, the the way that these characters interact with each other and their authenticity in life and th- all of the different... There's a reason why millions of people are fans of this series for for five decades plus going you know and and they're making more content as we speak there's a reason why that many people have stuck with it and it's it's because there's more to it than just tv there's more to it than just good tv this is this is worthy of study at the same level as shakespeare as aristotle as dickens um in my mind and it brings about some of the same interesting quandaries. Who are we as humanity? Who are we as people? Um, how will we react when we are put to these kinds of tests? And then we get into, you know, we all being the, I'm using quote fingers here, experts, <laughs> um, and really having to study it. You, we become the almost the philosophy teachers, or at least the philosophers of this stuff. So, yeah, it, it's deepened it for me greatly, and I see its value more than I ever did before we started. You know, I was a fan before, and now I'm, I see the value of Star Trek. Oh, yeah, I, I was going to say, you know, I think that even when I, I started watching TOS as a six-year-old child in the 1970s, I didn't necessarily see all of those things, but I saw all of those things. I didn't necessarily understand you know, when I saw my very first episode, the Corbomite maneuver, um, <laughs> I, I didn't understand Jessica's very first episode too. I know. <laughs> I didn't necessarily understand. You know, the lesson I learned through Mission Log of of this is who we say we are. But I understood nice. it because uh, I understood that at the end, Captain Kirk didn't necessarily kill the guy. You know, um, I, I I learned that there was something better to to humanity, even at six years old. And I think mm-hmm. that regardless of age, you know, we talked about the Shakespearean quality of Star Trek. I think there's something even more fundamental than that. And it's just uh, understanding that there is something better about us. I have to listen to that every week. <laughs> you, you don't have That's to. So there are people that subscribe to listen to that every week, just so you know. <laughs> uh, but, but it really, I mean... I, I, I've already talked to a couple of, in fact, there are a couple of, of listeners of Beginning the Track that are teachers, and I've had conversations with them about a, a curriculum for high school, maybe for college, maybe even before, where you introduce Star Trek to, to, to students as a way of teaching them everything from how to tell stories, so it could be an English class, it could be a you know literature class, to um, ethics. Um, heck, you could even put some science in there and say, what kinds of sciences have we gained? There's so many ways that you can use Star Trek in teaching now too. So I think we're going to start to see this happen going forward. I, I would love to see Star Trek get integrated into school curriculums at the same level as Dickens or Shakespeare. Who knows? I think it's great that that might happen because as as those of us in this uh, um, quorum right now that are talking that may be a little older, that never would have been something that would have happened in the 80s. You know, you think the whole William Shatner get a life skit and how people who are Star Trek fans had to kind of be quiet about it because they'd be stereotyped. It's great to see that that progress of Star Trek acceptance has kind of 
gone along the lines of what Star Trek teaches in the show itself. And I think it's very important that something like that take place in the future. And we are seeing it from time to time now. There's there's different Star Trek courses um, scattered about uh, that I've heard at different universities and things. But I think it's a great way to to, to educate the kids uh, in a way that can also be a lot of fun because, let's face it, Star Trek is so fun. What are you going to do when Star Trek's not that fun? Because as all of, I mean, we're waxing poetical here, but there's some really crappy stuff in Star Trek. <laughs> there is, but there's still something to love about it, right? You know, I mean, we endured <laughs> a dark period where, you know, the only Star Trek around was Star Trek V. <laughs> but, you know, if you look at Star Trek V, you know, aside from being not the best of outings, there's really a whole lot of Star Trek there to dive in on. And I don't think I fully appreciated it until I became a podcaster. Mm. But, you know, I can look at an episode like And the Children Shall Lead, and even though it's a lawyer and a shower curtain and the episode's not very great, I mean, it's still one of those guilty pleasure episodes of mine. So even if it's not awesome, I still find something that I can love about it. What about when it's not just not awesome, but like actively something you oppose? I haven't gotten there yet. Hmm. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I have to agree oh, with that. Too, I, yeah. I don't oppose anything in Trek because, I mean, I've said this before on Trek Geeks. I think that infinite diversity and infinite combinations not only applies to the universe of Star Trek, but the stories that are told and the manner in which they're presented. And if I subscribe to Idic in any way, I, I feel like I have to believe that on some level, you know? Well, Jessica, let me ask, are, are you talking about are you talking about a message within Star Trek that that might be antithetical to your beliefs or or something in the presentation? Like uh, Andy, you kicked us off with that poem and you you mentioned mm-hmm. Riker, and I know Jessica that you've had a bit of uh, a bit of a struggle with the Riker character in your rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> so do you mean something like that where where there's something with a character that you just go, oh, the, this is rubbing me the wrong way because of all of these legitimate reasons? Or is it something that you've seen in Star Trek as far as the storytelling, as far as the, the, the message that's intended, that you just think they completely got it wrong? Or, or uh, not just got it wrong, but it's something that, that's uh, a dangerous or detrimental message? I think that last one is the one. Because for some things you can say, oh, that's a character. That's how the character would behave when that character is behaving poorly. It's part of the character or even the stories. If you're going to say, I don't agree with that story, then you can talk about that. But when it's kind of when the message uh, is embedded of glorifying something that you actively oppose. And of course, what you actively oppose is completely personal. How, how do you deal with that in something that you love? If you happen to love Star Trek. Can I can I take a shot at answering this question in a way that I think might make a difference? Go for it. Okay. Are you waiting for permission? Okay. Unless someone else wants to take a shot at this, I'm going to give it a shot. So, um, uh, Jessica, you and I have talked a little bit about the relationship that I have with my mother. And my mother was the person that introduced me to Star Trek. We had a very powerful relationship um, throughout uh, most of my life. And, you know, she's she's gotten older and things happen medically. And... Um, she no longer always sees me exactly the way that she used to. And it's painful and it hurts. And she's my mother. And I love her no matter what, who she is, all of who she is. I can love who she is as a whole and accept that that's just a part of what I love. What do you think of that for an answer? I think that's kind of beautiful because it doesn't dismiss automatically the things that you might not like. Well, and I think on some level, it's like code of honor from next gen. You know, I don't think there's anybody in the planet that, that, that wouldn't concede that it's a horrible episode. If you watch it, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, it's overtly racist. It's just, it's, it's not Star Trek's finest hour by any means, but still I love next gen. So, you know, I I have to stop and think, well, you know, every now and then Star Trek's going to trot out uh, one that doesn't resonate so well. And I just sort of let that one pass by. Turnabout Intruder makes me, like, just nauseous. Yeah. Um, just no- what a terrible final episode of, of the original series. And that doesn't make me, you know, it's, it's, it's sexist. It's, 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 it is the definition of sexist. I mean, my gosh. It's like they found someone and said, can you make it more? So, so and it's a part of 
it's a part of the original series. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to love the original series less. I'm just gonna maybe not watch that episode. Jessica, as I think about what you asked, I find myself agreeing with Bill in that I haven't come across that yet with Star Trek. Sure, there are episodes that are bad, but I've always kind of brushed off, I guess is maybe the best way to put it, if I have disagreed with something uh, on this show. And and to counter that and, and to kind of put a comparison up, uh, my wife and I are in the middle of watching Longmire right now, which if anybody has not seen, I'll recommend. And there are things that happen in that show, which I'm so against, and it drives me crazy that things are happening the way they are. And it, it actually, I get, I get mad watching it. That has never happened with me with Star Trek, at least to this point. Hmm. I don't know. It, it's weird because we hear from people just from all walks of life with all perspectives and, and everywhere, whether it's on uh, opposite ends of the political spectrum. or. And what's interesting is you can find, I think because Star Trek is so big and has been uh, influenced by, written by so many people... Uh, it's very easy to kind of dig through and, and find the things that really resonate with you. And it's also really easy to dig through and find the things that don't. But at the end of the day, I think the, there's something in Star Trek's totality and in, in its message. And it, it's, and I, and I hate that I'm about to say this, the, mm -hmm. the vision for the future, <laughs> you know, um, that that enough people are responding to that it, it, we all kind of have a selective memory about it, it, it you know yeah. I, i'm sure i'm sure that there are episodes that that i can go back to for for mission log or even just on my own and watch and go wow what were they thinking this is a terrible message at the end of the day or they really botched this i kind of give them a little bit of slack because i i don't think ever a writer set out to present a terrible message. Um, so you give them a little bit of credit for, for trying something, but you go, okay, th this little tiny percentage of Star Trek at this point is still just a part of a bigger picture, and that bigger picture is something about humanity's aspirational nature. And, and we, we all talked about why it is that we respond to Star Trek and, and either do or do not respond to other things. You know, when I was a kid, it was, cool, these are spaceships, these are action-adventure stories, and I sure like that. But I think on a fundamental level, without really getting it, I realized this was us. The, you know, I, I didn't grow up with the space program. At least I didn't grow up with, like, the, the Apollo missions. Uh, that was before my time. But but I grew up with this idea that, yeah, that this is us in the future, for for better and for worse, for, for what we're good at and what we're struggling at. Um, unlike Star Wars, which I really enjoyed on a visceral level, it was the good guys, it was the bad guys, you blow the thing up at the end. <laughs> you know yes yeah there was a lot of fun and it had a big impact on me at five years old but the other thing that had an impact on me at five years old was thinking you know i, I could see myself on the bridge of that ship i i may not be like kirk or i may not be like spock but i want to be in that world you know i, I want to be a part of that team and there's a place for me a, a, as a part of that team I might be peeling potatoes, but there's still a place for me. You know? I'm not sure that you'd even have that job. Let's just be honest. Yeah, really. I mean, uh, I, I might be washing windows. You have, to, you have yeah. to do your zero gravity training before you can do that, you know. That's right. Uh, dude, somebody tell Bashir, okay? Please. <laughs> right? yeah. I think he did enough zero gravity on his own. Let's just be honest about that one. <laughs> <laughs> and Cisco did some pretty good potato peeling himself, so don't take his job yeah, too. That's that's true. True. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the man can cook. Yeah, you're responsible for the lives of others when you start touching their food. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I think I get it as a as a whole. You look at it as a whole, like the same way you look at your mom and you love it as a whole. And um, whether you want to dismiss some of the stuff you don't agree with or you just actively like don't like. And that can go for it's just not entertaining or the production value is so bad I can't watch this, uh, as well as messages. Um, what do you do if you can't see yourself on that bridge? Mm. Oh, I don't think that'll ever happen. Wow. 
<laughs> yeah. I, what do you do with somebody in your life who can't see themselves on that bridge? Well, I think that, at least for me, that comes down to everybody's fandom is unique to them, right? I mean, I've always envisioned myself on that ship because as a kid, you know, the, the quarters and the bridge of the, of the NCC-1701 were kind of my safe harbor, you know, and it's where I would go in my mind, you know, when I would endure, you know, emotional abuse, you know, from a, a trusted adult. And I can always envision myself there because for me, it's always been a place that's brought me safety and security. But by the same token, I'm sure there are fans out there who, who love the show, but really can't see themselves, you know, being captain of the Enterprise or even helmsman of the Enterprise, um, because that's just not the way it fires in their mind. Maybe they, you know, resonate more with some other aspect. And I, I, for me, I, I think that works. I got nothing to add to that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what to say. Wow. Except, <laughs> except, yeah, I, I, I've always wanted to be. I, I don't even want to be captain. I want, I want Sulu's spot. I want to drive the ship. I want to drive every ship. I don't know what I would do on Deep Space Nine. Um, the Defiant. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> well, and, and hey, look, it, it may not even be uh, about necessarily being on the ship and and doing those things. It might just be about this is a future where people are able to apply themselves in different ways. It might be one of those earthbound jobs, one of those earthbound experiences. It might be something at a at a space station or a star base somewhere. It might be something else that we're identifying with. But, but overall, that message is saying, as has been said so many times before, look, we, we manage somehow to escape our worst impulses and do the worst thing to ourselves and to the rest of humanity. And Star Trek premiered at a volatile time. We're in another volatile time in, uh, in human history and saying that, you know, look in a couple hundred years, we actually realize that we are better than that. We, we are actually better than the, the nationalistic uh, uh, and sort of tribal instincts that, that drive us apart. Um, and here's the thing. You don't necessarily have to wait a couple hundred years. You know, the, the, the quote-unquote... We could do this now? Well, that's the thing. The, the morality <laughs> plays that are in there are the messages, are the lessons that say... My favorite, your enemy is not your enemy. Your your enemy is somebody or something that needs to be understood. Um, so those should hopefully resonate every time we, we see those episodes that have those messages. They, they don't all, not all the time. There are other messages throughout, but they're sort of, they're giving us the little building blocks that say, hey, let, let's think about ourselves in this different way. Let's think about what we can do if we just change a little aspect of how we look at each other and how we look at our place in the world and how we look at our place in the universe. You know, there's there's a definite line of demarcation here, just to, to waylay the conversation for a bit. John Champion sounds like he's giving a lecture in a college course, and Dan <laughs> Davidson and I result to your face jokes. <laughs> I, I think we've we've really we've really hit the the spectrum of Star Trek podcasts here. Um, there you go. Uh, Both are needed and necessary. Yeah, you could yeah. add Jessica and I into that mix, and uh, uh, we have to do everything from have these deep, meaningful conversations to remind her that it's NCC one seven. Zero one. <laughs> A B C D E F. Like I'm supposed to know the difference. Uh, it's. I got to tell you, one of the fun parts about this whole journey uh, that is just great, and it's why I hope people are going to use our show. We're going to leave it up on the site as long as we can uh, for people to be able to, to share Star Trek with their friends. There's nothing like having somebody discover it a piece at a time and have those conversations with you for the first time. When we watched Corbomite Maneuver and she saw Belloc for the first time. He's so creepy. <laughs> the reaction that she got and what we just, what she described to me, it was, I mean, that's the precious moments. That's right. the precious moments about Star Trek. We, we are the unlucky ones, John and Dan and Bill. We're the ones that have seen it already. Jessica's on her, her very first watch of all of this stuff. She's going to see 
arena for the first time. She's going to meet the Gorn. She's going to get to, she may go back and finally watch Redemption, you know, and see how <laughs> that all plays out. She's going to get to see the whole uh, Reg Barkley. She's never seen him. There's so much that she gets to see for her first time. And we just know you're the lucky one, Jessica. You're the one that we all wish we could be again. It's why we keep on having these conversations with each other. We're trying to recapture that moment. Hey, let, 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 let's uh, let's not oversell it, Jessica. There might be some stuff in there you hate, okay? So. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, I've gotten used to, like, Andy is a Nobody's a fan like Andy is a fan. Seriously, in my mind. <laughs> like, the amount of tears that have been cried on our show over Star Trek is a little absurd. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, but in some ways it applies because I, when was the last time a TV show actually changed your mind about something, something that was really deep set in you? Like, I don't know you, John, you were talking about the, the hope for humanity and the big things. And you guys talk about, was that already in you? Did that just get more established with Star Trek or did something like, did that happen because you watched an episode and you really, really thought about it and you had to noodle over it so long that you had to change your mind about something. And then that became a conviction for you. Hmm. Well, you know, I guess I would ask myself, why, why do people, some people, you know, go to church every Sunday? Um, is it because the lessons didn't stick the first time? And you kind of have to be reminded of the stories and the ideas and maybe wrapping your head around the moral principles that are important to you. So uh, maybe in that way, and boy, I, I really get afraid of comparing Star Trek to any type of religion because oh, it's not. You just made Kirk Jesus. <laughs> it's definitely not. Um, and I think Gene would be horrified at the idea. Um, <laughs> it but, would drive him crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the reason that Star Trek tells these moral stories over and over again um, it, it, from different angles and, and sometimes with some different nuances and sometimes not at all. It's that, as I've said on our show before, sometimes it's like you need a reset sometimes. You know, we, we, we get wrapped up in doing other things and, and having other concerns. And when you sit down and you, you watch a show that's presented in a, in a fun sort of non-obtrusive way, it's not somebody pointing their finger at you telling you the way you should be. But you come out at the end and you go, oh, well, uh, Balok, the, the thing that we were supposed to be afraid of w was actually just a guy who was kind of scared like us, too. And, and at the end of the day, this is somebody we can share a drink with. You know, um, that, that's the kind of thing that very subtly you absorb and, and hopefully the next day you realize like, oh, you know what, the, the, the person that I was sort of preconditioning myself to be upset with or, or try to find a difference with, uh, I can actually do better by trying to find a similarity with them. I, I hope those are the things that happen. I, I don't know that they always do. And I don't know that, that Star Trek is a show that has changed my life in the way that like, I sat down and I watched the correct 25 episodes that made me into a different person. No, no, I, I don't think that's the case at all. Uh, but hopefully that, that is a piece of the influences that, uh, that I hope will steer me in a better direction than, than had there been other maybe terrible influences in my life. Hey, uh, hey Bill? Yeah, your face. <laughs> oh, good. Boy, I'm glad we got back to that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that insightful commentary, Dan Davidson. Great job. Yeah. Thank goodness mm. the Trek geeks are here. I, I, I actually, I have, I have a, I have two questions actually. One for you, Andy, and then one for you, Jessica. If I can just commandeer the show for a second. Go for um, it. I think we don't need it anymore. I think that's what each of us does in our, in our normal podcasting life. So, Andy, you curated this list for Jessica, correct? Yes. How did you pick only 52, and which ones broke your heart to leave off? Oh, God. Uh, All of them. Yeah. So so, um, so it's 7% of the entire body of work. Uh, I did the math. 
the first thing that I did was I just started asking people, and I did it a lot at, at uh, Star Trek Las Vegas in 2017 at the convention there. I basically commandeered a table at Quark's for the better part of two or three hours each day sat down with business cards that Jessica had just printed out before we had ever published an episode. And as people would sit down and say, can I sit here? I would engage them and say, what would you show someone? And I started to get ideas of what would work and what wouldn't work from that. And it's funny because there were so many people, I cannot tell you how many people said, oh, well, you start with the best of both worlds. Hmm. That's a horrible idea. (laughs) Nobody knows who these people are. You don't throw them into the Borg right off the bat. (laughs) You don't know anything that's going on. It's a fantastic episode, and it belongs deep into your journey after you've learned what's going on. And I started to learn what would work. And then I found the through storylines, the Mirror Universe story, the Klingon story, the Romulan story, some of the time stuff that happens. And even going back, I knew I wanted to show things like the the comedic side. So I did the Trouble with Tribbles and then followed it up with the, the Deep Space Nine crossover episode and things like that. I was looking for through stories to keep everything cohesive. And I think I did a pretty good job of it. What broke my heart? More than you could possibly imagine. Oh, I I bet. I I couldn't put a piece of the action on uh, the list. There wasn't room for just that fun romp because I already had Trouble with Triples. And that's my, my favorite episode. I couldn't put Darmok on the list um, because we we did the inner light and honestly as much as we would just love to watch uh, Patrick Stewart do his thing over and over and over again I, I I had to make hard choices so so every series was literally heartbreaking for me every and the way that I compensated I gave two or three usually three recommended extra episodes, which a lot of Jessica watched. So Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't get to put uh, a piece of the action on the track, but it got talked about. And I didn't get to put Darmok on the list, but not only did did it, we talk about it when I suggested it, but she went and watched it and we did a little segment on it. So yeah, and it was heartbreaking all the way through. See, there's no way that I would want to take on that job. No way. (laughs) No, because you would have to ask yourself, okay, if I'm picking the top 52 episodes, what am I actually trying to get across with those 52 episodes? Am I trying to get across Star Trek's point of view about the universe? Am I trying to get across Star Trek's exploration of humanity? Am I trying to get across the best character uh, uh, moments of Star Trek? And then I have to ask myself, well, who's the intended audience? You could talk to Jessica over the course of a year. I don't know, Jessica, how, how long did you guys talk about this? But And just get a sense of, well, what are you really interested in? What What do you get inspired by when you watch a new show? Is it the character deep dive? Is it the morals, meanings, message? You know, all of this stuff that I... I can't imagine. We get, uh, to this day, we get comments and questions from people asking, like, hey, I'm about to show Star Trek to somebody for the first time. What should I start with? I have no idea. I have no yeah. clue what you should show to somebody. Well, just send them to www.beginningthetrek.com. <laughs> That's a fantastic And we will book. take them through. <laughs> now, now, Jessica, uh, just really quick. I, earlier, I think you were going to ask the yeah. question what we don't like about Star Trek. And I'm going to pull the pin on that grenade and roll it into the room real quick. Ooh, and fun. As the newbie, was there anything that you don't like about it? <laughs> okay, so as a newbie, um, talking with a lot of people who it turns out in my life, there are a lot of people who love Star Trek and we're not talking about it until I was like, hey, I'm doing this thing with Star Trek. What do you think? And then it was like, I love Star Trek. <laughs> people I had no idea. I was like, you've never once mentioned liking this thing for your entire life. Uh, people that I knew really well, by the way. But okay, so if you if you start doing that, you find out that people around you are very, very, very passionate about this show or all of the shows or one of the shows or that one show that they watched when they were eight. And coming in as an adult, I think especially, yeah, there's a lot I don't like. (laughs) Coming in as a millennial, there's a lot I don't relate to. 
and I have to actively forgive, which I don't want to. I want that to just be a thing. And that's a little unfair because even stuff that's made now, I'm sure 5, 10, 20 years from now, you can go back and be like, ugh, I'm going to have to actively try and like this a little bit. So does that answer your question? Yes, there's a lot I don't like about it. No, and that's fine. I mean, that, that absolutely answers my question. Uh, thank you for the indulgence and for <laughs> allowing me to commandeer this podcast. That was fantastic. <laughs> what don't you like about it? You, you said you don't like, you don't not like anything about it because Idik? Um, I, I don't like, <laughs> I, I hate to employ a double negative, but that's essentially true. But there are aspects of Star Trek I've grown weary of. And I think Dan and John are probably going to be pretty close to the same page as me on this. And more often than not, it has to do with some fans and and the way they gatekeep the fandom. I'm okay mm. with however anybody wants to love Star Trek. It's not my business to tell somebody how to like or dislike it. But there are those who appoint themselves keepers of the gate who have no business doing so to say, you can only love this thing this way. And that's wrong. That's the thing I, I dislike about Star Trek the most at this point in my life. And, and I'll, I'll echo that just by saying, you know, it's one of the things that I like about beginning the Trek. And that's one of the things that I like talking to you, Jessica, about Star Trek is that this is a new perspective. You know, I, I mostly hear from people who have been watching Star Trek forever and ever. And, and they sort of want to tell me or tell Ken how to like something. And particularly now that we're in DS9, where we are the least familiar with DS9 out of the, the other series, and, and it seems like people are very invested in making sure that we enjoy it exactly the right way. <laughs> Right. According to yeah. them. I got to tell you, you I, know? I'm one of those people that really is, I, I'm hopeful that you're really going to enjoy it. And I've had to just bite my lip because I know I don't want to be a part of that group. Well, and, and see, here's the thing. That was a misnomer to think that we're not enjoying it. We're, we're both really well, enjoying it because it. it's, yeah, yeah, because it's well done and it's challenging and it's different. You know, uh, uh, we like to say that DS9 is the point that Star Trek stopped being a show and started being a franchise. You know, Star Trek the show was TOS and that early development of TNG that very much had a foot in the 60s. But by the time you get to DS9, now suddenly Star Trek is a universe and the, the, the big letters Star Trek means all this other stuff that falls under that too. Even if we had already watched it all the way through, and even very recently had we watched it all the way through, which we haven't, we would still be using the pretense that this is new. That we have to take all of this episode by episode, bit by bit, as it was doled out. Just to make sure we're being fair. We're being fair to our format and being fair to how the shows were produced at the time. Every Every fan comes to this with their own background, the, the, their own things that are influencing their enjoyment or, or maybe dislike of a show. And as we always like to say, every episode is somebody's favorite, every episode is somebody's least favorite. And, and I like the idea of somebody who can say, by the way, when I watch this, I found this thing to be incredibly tone deaf or incredibly sexist or have a terrible political message or whatever. Like, I think that's really valuable. It, it, it keeps me honest uh, in being able to ask myself, did I just completely overlook something here? Or, or do I think that is a, a, a fair and equal assessment that I'm just simply not, not picking up or, or, or disagree with for whatever reason? Oh, I think that's what I meant earlier when, like, has it changed your mind? Um, or maybe not like hasn't changed your life, but if you've come across other people, cause Andy and I've had our disagreements and I've talked to other people and it's just like, wow. And I've listened to you on mission log and I've just been like, Oh, they got that so wrong. But that's <laughs> fun <laughs> to think that <laughs> like that is so not what I got out of that kind of thing. Yeah. But it, which I think again is totally fair. Now hearing the kind of criticism that says you got something out of this totally different than what I would have gotten, or you you overlooked this thing that that is important to me, I, I think that's really cool, and, and I think that's why at the end of the day we're all saying we appreciate Star Trek as a piece of literature because if it's good and if it's thoughtful, it's not just handing us one easily digestible answer that we can all agree at the end of the day is 
is 100% correct, that we're all on board with, you know, that, that, that makes it kind of bland. <laughs> that makes it really insipid and not something that any of us would want to watch. And certainly none of us would want to uh, have hours-long conversations about it on our own podcasts. A- at the same time, I'll, I'll just say very quickly that there are some fans who I don't understand what they're getting out of the show. Not, not because you're getting something different out of it. I think that's fine. I think that's great. But what is it that you're actually getting out of Star Trek? Is it just purely like you like the uniforms and you like the spaceships? That's cool. That's fine. I, I, I do sometimes think that the morals meaning messages kind of fall on deaf ears. But I also, I don't want to tell anybody how to be a fan. If what you're getting is spaceships, cool. Let's talk about how cool spaceships are. I think I was a little bit of that kind of fan when we first met John several years ago. Like, I think you were in, in, in your first year of the podcast at that. You just started. And I know I was a lot more opinionated about what Star Trek should be. Hmm. I was still grumpy about that there were people not liking it the way that I liked it. Yeah. And... Then I took on what's your the, the what's your Star Trek year when I came out to the convention and I just started asking people what's your Star Trek and I heard so many different perspectives of what this show is and what people get from it and many of them matched mine and many more of them didn't yeah match my view of what you know my thoughts about why this show is valuable and that in itself made it more valuable so when i coupled that with a year of totally different perspective from you jessica mm-hmm. it really opened my eyes to however you choose to be a fan go for it i love it because it adds to the body of people that keep this going and that will add, I hope, to the body of work in positive ways and a little bit more Star Trek in my life. I'm in. This is where I get a little bit worried about what we do, though, because I, you know, I watch Star Trek now trying to study it for the social messages, the, the its point of view about humanity and belief and our place in the universe. And, and I find a lot of it that I identify with. But I really hope that I'm being intellectually honest. And it's not just me finding the things that I am predisposed to agree with that, that then I'm emphasizing. I, I, hope that, I hope that none of us uh, do that, although it, we all have biases that we already bring. Um, I, I hope they were able to at least somewhat dispassionately look at Star Trek and go, oh, here's, here's where they really got it wrong. Or better yet, here's where they presented an idea that I did not agree with but at least now I can understand the other side a little better. Bill, Dan, your faces? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, actually, I was going to say, um, Jessica, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I have two, two sides of this coin. One, I, I, I'm envious of you in a way, because as we pointed out earlier, all of us have been watching the show since we were kids. Mm-hmm. You have the unique perspective um, which is so great to see, and also so many fans that are coming into Star Trek now that you're a grown adult, and you're able to take in the show and really be able to put more of a thought process into it as we might not have done as we were kids and we were just starting to watch the show for the first time. But at the same time, I'm so happy and a little envious of that. I'm also a little sad because Mm -hmm. in today's world, as we've seen with what Bill was talking about with these gatekeepers and with the huge explosion of social media and the negative impact that social media can have not only on Star Trek but other things, it makes me a little sad because people are going to do what they do on social media if they disagree with something that you may say or do. And 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 in that aspect, I wish that we could have a a bubble of time, so to speak, where adults can start watching the show without social media so we can see what that experience is like. Yeah, that Twitter do your thing thing is the worst thing. Yeah, absolutely it is. I uh, I agree with with everything Dan and John said. I mean, I um I, I try very hard to stay positive about the whole thing because I think it would be very easy for me to to slip into you know defending the wall against gatekeepers. 
So I try to ignore them as much as I can and try to abandon that negativity. Because at the end of the day, I love Star Trek. And I want more Star Trek. And I want to love the Star Trek I've already got. So it, it's, it, it kind of becomes a slippery slope on some level. And, and I think Dan's right. I mean, it's, social media is filled with negativity about everything. And it's about trying to parse the things out of it that I want to consume. And, and that becomes tougher daily. Uh, I, I want to uh, turn things around here a little bit just by saying, well, look, first of all, I don't think you can make somebody a fan. I, yeah. I think mm-hmm. people yeah. uh, people come to Star Trek for their own reasons. They find it uh, for their own reasons. Either it works for them or it doesn't. Um, and to echo what we were all saying about how you can't tell somebody how to be a fan. Look, I, I, I embrace it as somebody's total understanding of Star Trek is just that somebody once didn't actually say beam me up Scotty but they think they said beam me up Scotty cool and at the other end of the spectrum the people who who have absorbed every episode every movie multiple times they 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 buy the products they they go to conventions there's room for everybody on that wide spectrum and I love talking to all of them my question is here for beginning the trek. Andy, I'm going to ask your question to Jessica. Mm. So what is your Star Trek? <laughs> uh, if, if, if you have one. Right now? Because, yeah. Uh, the animated series, which is ridiculous. I am out of here. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I watched it all the way through in between. It's so easy to put on. Um, and for all of the things that I dislike, it's really easy to forgive. Uh, yeah, there's something about, like, they don't have whites in their eyes. So then I watched it again. (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah, I didn't watch Redemption. I didn't watch a piece of the action. I didn't go back and do, uh, I will watch the Dominion more. I'm really excited about starting DS9. I want to start from the very beginning, but there's, there's something in me that I'm like, oh, I don't want to go. I don't, I am shocked at myself. When I started this, I thought TNG was going to be amazing. I was like, Picard, Data, it's going to be awesome. I've heard so much about this. I don't really like it all that much, going back. Uh, And there's something very nice about just turning on the animated series and laughing at the ridiculousness that is the Enterprise uh, flying through a cloud and then turning into a practical joker on the crew. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. how do you not love mm-hmm. that? That's awesome. So, for now, that's what I'm going to say. What about you guys? Like, you, you, what's your tracks? John, you guys are both TS, TOS. I know you are, Andy. I'm a TOS guy, but I'm also, I got to tell you, Deep Space Nine has really captured my heart in terms of just awesome storytelling. I love DS9. It's funny. I, I was talking to somebody not long ago who said, uh, you know, DS9 is the best Star Trek but my favorite Star Trek is TOS. <laughs> That's fair. I thought that was an interesting thing. Yeah, I, you know, I have a lot of respect for Next Gen. I have a lot of respect for, well, really for all the shows. And, I, and I'm looking forward to getting to Enterprise and revisiting that show. Uh, because I always felt like it got kind of short shrift, but I also thought that show aged pretty well. Did it? I may be proven very wrong in a few years. But... TOS just for whatever reason it it just is I even at its worst I find things that that uh, maybe just purely through the lens of nostalgia um, I I just really love Um, and part of it has to do with production style that it's it's just sort of bold and brash in ways that I felt they really toned down in later series Um, so yeah, it's, it's just more fun to me. But it's also got that heavy-handed moralistic mm-hmm. side when it decides to. Uh, and maybe that's part of what makes the animated series so great, too, is that you could really boil that down into 22 minutes. You could just really tell the story with some immediacy that, um, that it would take, you know, TNG 48 minutes to tell. Uh, Deep Space Nine is by far my favorite series. Um, I think it's, it's so wonderfully written and the character development i think is the best that we see in any series at least up to this point and i connect with so many uh things that take place in that in that series 
I, I like what you just said, John, about how somebody said that Deep Space Nine is the best series, but TOS is their favorite. That's a very unique way to look at things and, and very cool. But I, I, if, I had to, if, I, if I had a gun to my head saying I have to choose one, it's going to be Deep Space Nine uh, without even hesitating. I have to say for, for me that TOS is kind of like comfort food, <laughs> but my favorite Trek overall has become Deep Space Nine. Um, just because it resonates with me on just about every level. I, I think it's the series that contains Star Trek's finest hour. Dan and I talked about that recently. It's one John hasn't gotten oh, to yet. I heard that. So yeah. we're not going to, I'm not going to, uh, you know, blow the, the lid off that too much. But um, I, I think that it, 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 go, it does go back to character and story. And I think that Deep Space Nine started something that was pretty special in the Star Trek universe. And it's why it, I've always loved it. I got that after I had watched everything and got to the end of, well, everything that I, for the Trek that I did, uh, I, it took me right up until the end to realize what DS nine did to the entire franchise. It, you, yeah. You kind of have to go through the whole thing. It's I think, crazy. I think the television, I think so the way that television gets done now, I think it was the beginning of the serialization of TV. Well, it wasn't the only one doing that, though. No, it wasn't, but it so brilliantly created this this arc that became more and more about the main story as it went. It was, it was a seven-year transition for teaching us how to watch serialized television. Right. It's interesting. Hmm. Did they set the, Well, yeah, they set out to do that. Huh. At the very end, you have an eight-part finale. Follow, you know. So, yeah, they absolutely had long story arc in mind from the beginning. I have to believe. So we're all a bunch of Niner fans here, and then John, who's kind of going through it <laughs> a little bit newly, um, yeah, which is yeah. awesome. Uh, and and I know that you've heard a thousand times. Just stick with it; it gets better. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. I, I don't even think anybody needs to say it gets better. I, I yeah, I, I think it's it is an excellent show. Yeah. Um. And and I know that that they're only taking that excellence and and making it deeper and richer as the series goes on. Um, it's a big change of pace. And here's the thing: had it been me at the helm in 1993, I would have said the yes, do that, <laughs> but make that show that's set on a space station because you're doing something different and Star Trek needs different. Yeah, I, I applaud that. Anybody want to throw in last thoughts? Um, I am pretty much void of thought on any given time. Um, <laughs> so your face. I'm interested to see your face. I'm interested to see where you go from here as far as watching things because I'm wondering if you watch the whole of Next Gen if you develop a different appreciation for it. Or if you find that you it doesn't resonate with you as much, you know, I've got m lots of questions that uh, I'm curious to follow over time. So I, I hope that you you stay with it and at least you know if you don't update it in podcast form, maybe kind of update it in some other way. I have a quick answer for that, and that is that Jessica and I have asked our listeners, and we'll ask you too, to say stay subscribed to our show. We aren't we're going to take a break at the very least, but I have a feeling there's going to be more conversations on our show about what she sees so be ready for that jessica now you can answer i, I really don't need to so there's that and i had <laughs> with, with but what are you gonna watch what are you gonna do with star trek going forward um i'll probably start at the beginning but i was also thinking about keeping going with twitter because uh for all that you said it's awful i have actually found some really cool people who engage oh, with yeah. me on twitter and that's yep. i was not expecting that i really did feel like oh i'm throwing stuff out into the void um and just like opinions here they are and then people <laughs> actually responded i was like hey this is how it was supposed to work you know conversation with people who i wouldn't normally get to talk to so uh that might be a thing but everything right now is that might be a thing so <laughs> yes, stay tuned. Thank you. What I will say, Jessica, to you in, in closing for me is um, you've been doing this for a year, but welcome to the family because mm. I think we're all very excited that you're part of it. Thank you. And uh, my parting shot will just be to say, uh, yeah, take some time off. <laughs> <laughs> for you. I'll take some time off for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Star Trek's great and everything, but uh, yeah, take some time off for sure. <laughs> Good. What a great conversation, guys. Yeah, this was fantastic. Thank you guys so, so, so much. Absolute pleasure. I'm, I'm really glad that you guys came up with this format and wanted to, wanted to wrap it up this way. Too cool. Well, thank you guys all for being a part of, of 
our poker game, of our of our little gathering and and get together here. Uh, Jessica, this is it. We're going to hit stop here in just a couple of minutes, and we don't have to record anything next week. They do, <laughs> but we don't. So um, yeah. to everybody who's been listening through the entire track, thank you all again. Uh, we love you. We appreciate all that you've you know supported us with. Thank you so much. Continue to visit www.beginningthetrek.com. Uh, we do still have that donate button on there. So uh, if you have had a, a wonderful time with the track, we ask that you give us a, a small donation so that we can keep it hosted. Uh, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Anything else that you want to say, Jessica? Yeah, because uh, if you guys want to keep going and there's not going to be much from or not nearly as much uh, Mission Log weekly, Mission Log Live, uh, that's always fun to watch on Tuesdays and Trek Geeks. So subscribe to all of them because it's good stuff. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank (laughs) Thank you. Deep Space Nine kicked off our second half of Jessica and my track. Things were dirty, dingy, and broken. I mean, seriously, what the heck? The slow start included baseball talk with Prophets, OMG. But soon you learned there was much more to those silly-ass Ferengi. Odo is a mystery. His origin must be learned, but be careful what you wish for. Some rocks are better left unturned. Major Kira danced a duet, but the music was quite mean. And Sisko gets much cooler when his head gets shaven clean. The war starts with the Dominion, and DS9's time is all but past. It's time to head for Voyager and Captain Janeway at long last. Caretaker was pretty painful, but it got awesome really quick. Remember those Vidians? They made you pretty sick. You connected with Bolana, which came as quite a shock. I think your favorite crewman was the holographic doc. Thomas Eugene Paris was part lizard, and I don't mean just threshold. Queen Arachnia's sexy outfit? Kate Mulgrew, you're quite bold. Janeway stubborn and determined. She'll get him home someday, but she's gonna need her right-hand man. You know... Chicote! Well, we've one more series on this trek, and Enterprise is it, and many people believe that it's just a piece of work that really took way too many chances, lost a big chunk of their audience, never really recovered from their stylistic choices. Yeah. While I know it's not your favorite, there's some great stories to discuss, like Phlox creating Stim, throwing Archer under the bus. We retconned Andorian Antennae, but did worse with Orion Slaves. When Zindi attack, the Earth is vengeance all that Archer craves. With a final trek through Mirror Universe, which we now both call the Moo, to Paul's styling in that quarter shirt, what's a hot Vulcan to do? With 51 episodes complete, I had to finish strong, and all good things was the perfect button. I knew it all along. We were in closets, bathrooms, basements. Each time we hit record, It was a crazy amount of work, but I was never bored. Thank you for making this trek as amazing as it could be. This past year has been so special, a precious gift for me. We crossed the finish line together, but you've only just begun. Now it's time to watch The Man Trap, original series, episode one. Right, now we get to say real goodbye. Uh, Does this mean we can stop? I don't know. I'm I'm hitting stop, guys. I'm hitting stop.